As health and wellness providers, we know that better patient outcomes require a whole person, multidisciplinary approach that we just can't provide on our own. That's why I've started the Wellness Center Creators Podcast. I'll be bringing you interviews with experts, tips, tricks, secrets, resources, systems, and solutions so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. And creating your wellness center won't feel like starting over. Before we start today's episode, I'd love to highlight our show sponsor, Jane. Jane is a complete practice management software designed to help practitioners grow and manage their practices. They do this with helpful features like online booking, scheduling, billing, and charting. Whether you're working solo or in a large multidisciplinary practice, no-shows and late cancellations are something every practitioner faces. Jane offers several tools to help you prevent and manage those no-shows, including the ability to save a credit card on file and send out unlimited texts and email reminders. Learn more about Jane's helpful features at jane.app. Listeners can also mention the podcast at the time of sign-up for a one-month grace period applied to their new Jane account. Welcome back, everyone, to the Wellness Center Creators Podcast. Today on the show, we have Chris McDonald. Chris, I'm so glad to talk to you today. Uh, Can you take a moment and introduce yourself to our listeners, please? Sure. I'm so glad to be here, and I've been really enjoying the podcast. I am a licensed clinical mental health counselor supervisor. So I'm in addition to providing services for clients, I also provide clinical supervision to those initially licensed. I have a small group practice that's all virtual. And I'm also host of the Holistic Counseling Podcast. So I have basically two businesses that I'm juggling and trying to manage, which I try to keep my balance with that as best I can. So I work a lot with um, in my practice with clients who are young adults who struggle with transitions a lot from either moving on to college from high school or high school or I'm sorry, college to work and working on the adulting tasks and a lot have anxiety, depression, trauma, um, a lot with grief. And I'm also a holistic therapist, so I use a lot of different holistic modalities like trauma-informed yoga, meditation, mindfulness, and sessions with clients, and brain spotting. My podcast is geared towards mental health professionals who are wanting to learn how to deepen their knowledge of holistic modalities and also build their practices with confidence. Wonderful. Yeah. So... Tell us, what is holistic counseling? This is a term. Yes. Holistic is a term that is thrown around a lot (laughs) these days. And I think you and I uh, both have very specific kind of definitions of what that means for us and our work and how you approach your work might be different than others. So what does it mean to you? Yeah, to me, it's 
bringing together treatment of the whole person instead of individual parts. And a lot of more traditional therapy is talk therapy, or if it's psychodynamic, it's it's more people have that vision of, you know, Freud with sitting behind the client, client laying down on the couch and going back into the past. But with holistic counseling, we're looking at every part of the cell from body, physical, somatic. I use a lot of somatic therapy. Um, spiritual. I also integrate some spirituality in my sessions with clients that want to talk about that. And I forgot mine. <laughs> forgot for a second. So mind is, of course, in using some talk therapy as well. So it's not like we don't do any talk therapy that's integrated as well. So it's using, bringing all the best of both worlds, in my opinion, together to treat the whole person. And for me, it starts from the intake. So I have a holistic intake form that I use with clients. And for me, I really take the time to dive deep into what's going on with clients. And and one physical way that I work with clients too is encouraging them to get a physical because from their primary care, because a lot of times there can be other physical things that cause mental health symptoms. So I feel like part of holistic counseling is kind of ruling out other things that could be causing symptoms or problems for them. Because I've had a lot of people with hypothyroidism um, that's causing depression or maybe something's going on with blood sugar that can increase anxiety. So I think just just using that physical piece is important and also using some relaxation. I, I use a lot of relaxation strategies, breath work, some of the yoga and sessions and meditation. So helping them come up with ways that they can better manage their anxiety or depression, which is more using more energizing techniques. And and some of these routines for daily practice, I think is really important for self-care. So it's kind of um, shifting away from just traditional forms of therapy. And, and people that are holistic, there's a lot of different kinds. Some people, it's just, they do the basic just on that continuum of just treating the whole person, but other people use different modalities like essential oils or some people are using energy healing. So there's a whole realm of holistic modalities out there. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I really, I feel personally that the intake form is one way that any type of provider, it doesn't matter the modality is a really impactful and effective way to work from a more holistic approach. If it's something you're wanting to do as a provider in any field and all it takes is adding some of those questions from that you might think are outside of your modality, but they're not. Um, And so, you know, in a mental health intake, you're still going to have, a lot of those traditional mental health questions, but you can add sections about nutrition, about what asking the the client, you know, what do they eat in a typical day? You can ask questions about their physical health history and very pointed questions about um, chronic illnesses, physical illnesses, things like that, because people will come in and they don't tell you about it because they think they're there for Mm -hmm. therapy and it's, it's not what they're going to talk about. Similarly with, you know, on our team, we're multidisciplinary. So our nutritionist is also going to have questions about mental health on her form. And our acupuncturist is going to have questions about mental and physical and spiritual health. So um, the intake form is one way I think providers everywhere can, can step into that holistic realm um, and help get a deeper picture into what's going on. 
Yeah. And um, I also have um, with my form some spirituality questions because that's something that not everybody wants to talk about or maybe they don't have spiritual beliefs. So we can't put impose our values on clients. So I, I will ask, is this something that you'd be willing to talk about and ask what their spiritual beliefs are? But I include some more non-traditional things too because some people, I have some people who are they consider themselves witches or pagans or, you know, and putting some of that, you don't see that on, I hate to say normal, but other kinds of forms, right? I yeah. do have some holistic intake forms that I did create too for therapists, which I can give you for to include in the show notes too, because it's oh, my, whole, yeah, my whole comprehensive guide of the spirituality piece. And I'm glad you mentioned food too, because, oh my gosh, that can totally impact so many parts of ourselves. I remember I had one client who had trouble sleeping and then I found out that she was drinking, you know, those two liters of Pepsi. <laughs> she drank like two a day. And I'm like, how about yeah. we um, kind of start going off of the Pepsi and <laughs> you know, thinking about these things that impact sleep. We can teach somebody relaxation all day, but if they are high on caffeine and are drinking yeah. so much soda. So we really, and I think that's, that just is a wake up call for a lot of us to really just consider what are the other parts of them, of these clients that, that maybe impact some of these things that are coming up for them. And, and sometimes it can be just more of a simple way to work like with that, looking at lifestyle and exercise is another physical modality that I work a lot with clients and talking about ways to get more movement. And because I find that those who can move more it really can help help them to start to feel better and start healing. Mm -hmm. Well, so let's jump into the yoga piece. Yes. Um, tell us about the type of yoga that you teach. And people always want to know coaching clients always want to know how do I blend yes. a movement modality with a therapeutic modality? Sure. And mm -hmm. so I want to know if you're blending them and yes. if you oh, are, yeah. how you're doing that. Cause there's, there's different ways into that Absolutely. Um, and there's ethical and legal considerations. And so tell us about that. Yeah. So I'm a 200 hour registered yoga teacher and it's called subtle yoga where I was trained, which is using the subtle body, the energetic body. So it's more of a soothing kind of yoga. It's not your typical exercise yoga like you find at gyms where it's really fast paced. It's all about getting your heart rate up. And a lot of people have that idea that yoga is just that or on Instagram seeing people doing handstands, headstands. I don't do that. <laughs> None of that. So this is more about working with the nervous system. This is nervous system yoga, or we call it resilience yoga. So being able for anxiety to be able to calm the nervous system, to turn that parasympathetic nervous system on. We do that through slow, mindful movement. And also part of yoga is, is breath work. So using breath work and meditation, all of those combined together can really help people to find some calm and soothing. But as far as yoga itself, the movement, so I use it a lot of different ways. And one of the ways first is to embody it. You have to have your own yoga practice to really feel comfortable teaching it. And that's something that I do daily. I do yoga every day, do meditation for myself. Because if I'm not comfortable in the movements, it's going to come across to the clients and I'm going to feel uncomfortable teaching it. And before I teach it, I practice a lot <laughs> to really get myself comfortable and I think the next step is to teach someone else, not a client. So teach your wife, your husband, somebody, a friend, 
first to get used to it. You really got to learn the cues with this, which brings me back to training. So you do need to get some training for this. Now, you don't have to be an RYT, a registered yoga teacher, to use yoga. That's something I want to make clear, too. There are some some basic asanas, we call them the postures that you can use with clients that you don't need to get the full training. But there, are, you know, the more training you get, obviously, that makes us more competent and in our scope of practice. So the more we can do, the better. But sometimes with clients, um, we'll start at the beginning of the session. The way I like to use it is to be more organic and see how they appear when we first start. So I'm all virtual. So that's the other pieces I have to be really mindful of where they are. It's harder when we're not seeing their whole body. And I usually do a check-in with them and just see what's going on. So if somebody is really out of their window of tolerance and very activated, then we might, I will ask them. And it's always informed consent. So that's how we do it ethically too, is how would you feel about starting with some breath work? Or how would you feel about using some movement today? And I usually the beginning of, of my time with clients, I start to talk about what, what I do and how I'm different from other therapists. And these are some different modalities that are a possibility for them. And I say possibility because not, it's not required. I always make sure that's very clear that, you know, this is just a uh, potential for you that we could use in therapy, but it doesn't have to be. So that it's not a surprise when we start to move into that. But other times it may be maybe something happens in the middle of the session and they're having trouble getting regulated. So let's go ahead and, and stop for a minute. Let's pause and let's go ahead and see if we can do something in this moment if that works for you. So again, always inform consent before we, we do any of these modalities. And there's just so many different ways that we can use yoga in sessions. But I think integrating it is wonderful and it really can make such a difference. Because what I found is I started teaching just breath work, but breath work is not enough for a lot of people, especially people that have more complex trauma. So once I moved to using movement and breath, it really helps people get out of their heads because I have a lot of overthinkers and they spend most of their time in their head from the shoulders up. So getting them into their bodies and really to tune into what's happening there and noticing sensations can really help them towards that path to healing and to be able to calm their nervous systems. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Hey there, this is Katie from the Jane team. If you're new to the name, Jane is an all-in-one practice management software with helpful features like online booking, admin scheduling, billing, and charting. We often hear from our community that no-shows and late cancellations are more present than ever before. The good news? Jane offers a whole suite of features to help reduce no-shows. Some of those include the ability to save a card on file and unlimited text and email reminders, just to name a few. Come see what we're all about at jane.app. We'd love to meet you and see if we're a good fit for your practice. Did that answer both? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay. I think people, I think people like to know, yes. you know, kind of the, the educational path sure. to doing holistic modalities because, you know, it's definitely becoming, there's more research coming out about my body medicine oh, and for sure. some of these, you know, trauma therapies like EMDR are gaining traction. And so people want to know kind of how do you become a holistic provider? And there's, you know, there are graduate programs that are geared towards somatic therapy, holistic practices, integrative medicine, all of those things. And so that's one path. 
And another path is to, you know, do your kind of more traditional graduate studies in whatever modality you're in, and then do these kind of subsequent certifications and trainings. And in my opinion, it comes down either path that you take, it comes down to mentorship and supervision and always working within your scope and doing what you know. And, you know, as you're learning the new modalities to integrate, that you have mentorship in that. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah. As a clinical supervisor, I'm all about that and, and making sure that, you know, you are providing it ethically and in a safe way too, because we don't want to do any kind of movement that's going to cause harm. But again, these are very gentle. Basically, some of it could be just inhale, bring your arms above your head, exhale, bring your arms. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So we're not doing anything that's going to be, you know, that, that physical fitness kind of, of yoga too. And, And some of it's seated. So we're trying to minimize risk. And the yoga that I'm taught really minimizes risk with everything and just being super cautious and learning about proper sequencing. And, you know, it's something that I learn about every week, too, because I'm actually, as far as my teacher goes, I, I still have her yoga classes weekly and learn weekly from her. So it's just an amazing thing. And I think the more you can continue your learning with this and, and supervision and, and getting those questions answered, the better. Because of course, when you first start this, you really have to have that, that supervision mentorship piece and, and finding those people you connect with for that. So you can feel comfortable to ask those hard questions because it can be that vulnerable feeling, right? Like starting all over again as a therapist, like, Oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Help. <laughs> Imposter syndrome. Yes. Yes. That um, comes up even when we're seasoned. <laughs> yes, it does. So you have a small group practice. We were talking yes. a little before we hopped on the recording about just sort of what you've learned over the years about what is effective with referrals and kind of growing caseloads. And I know our listeners just always want more information about how to grow caseloads in their practices. So what would you, what are your tips? Yeah. So the number one way that I've learned, and I think I told you before we started that I started this all wrong because I was a school counselor before and, you know, I would just go like into doctor's offices and be like, Hey, I'm a counselor. Can you help me? And I did not find that worked very well for me. Now I still have some doctors I connect with, but I find the greatest resource for all therapists that have a private practice is each other. We need to find other therapists that we can connect with and build these relationships with so we can help each other out. And I still do this even virtually. I will meet people for lunch in person or virtually online if we can't meet in person just to just be ourselves. And I I feel like some people feel like they have to put on this, I have to be so professional and have to put on this mask of, you know, I'm a therapist and please refer to me, (laughs) be yourself. So when you're meeting people, (laughs) that's how I I like how your voice changed. I know my voice changed. I'm a therapist. I'm I'm professional. This is what, here's the clients I work with. Like our quote unquote elevator pitch. I was all practicing that when I first started. (laughs) Like ridiculousness, right? I didn't know what I was doing, but it's okay. But I think once you can learn to ease into that, and and I go to networking events, but I don't see it as, oh, this is awful. I got to go to this networking. I see it as making friends. So try to make it, reframe it into, wow, who will I get to meet today? And 
what can we learn from each other? How can we help each other? And looking at it that way, because I will tell you over the years, I have friends that I have met through networking that I still hang out with today. We hang out you know, personally and professionally. We're there for each other. So especially if you work from home, you really need to have that support system. So we'll text each other during the day. Hey, you know, this came up. What do you think about this? And can you help me? And, and having those connections. I think I can't imagine not having these connections now, now that I don't have an in-person office. So I think that's both of that for the support reason and just to have those connections, right, for referral sources. Because especially those who are like you, and a lot of people are afraid like, oh, that's competition, but it's not, mm-hmm. right? So when they're full, they can refer to you and same that you can refer to them. And and I have found that the majority of people are pretty open to that, to, to be able to connect and refer to each other. Absolutely. Because at the end of the day, we all got into this field or other modalities because we want to help clients and patients. And so it's it becomes very stressful when you don't have the capacity to take on more clients yourself or your practice doesn't have the capacity. And it's not always the right decision to hire more people into your practice or you maybe you don't want to be doing that or you know, maybe you're at your capacity with growing your team as well. And so it's really important to have referral sources in the community um, and and to go back and forth with them in that way and in, in the spirit of serving, serving clients. And I agree that uh, most providers are, are just more than happy to do that and want to build real relationships with each other. And of course, depending on what your modalities are, you know, if you're EMDR, of course, find other EMDR professionals. I'm holistic. So I find people that aren't therapists as well. I'm have a connection with um, past life regression folks, uh, some other Reiki Reiki healers. So that's kind of where I am with a holistic modality. So kind of thinking outside the box for you too, who else could you connect with that might see the same kinds of clients? So it's not always just traditional primary care doctors. Absolutely. If you're a holistic counselor in particular, I would really recommend connecting with alternative health professionals, naturopathic doctors, acupuncture, massage, chiropractors. They're all looking for uh, mental health professionals to refer out to because they're seeing the growing need of mental health as well. Yeah, that can be some of your greatest referral source. And it goes both ways. So I refer to them as well. And you can do that too once you make these connections. So, Chris, it's just been a pleasure chatting with you. Um, I wonder if you could tell us a bit more just about your podcast. I know you have a book that you'd love to share with our listeners. So how can people find you and what are you doing? So with my podcast, you can go to um, holisticcounselingpodcast.com. I do have a resources page on there, too. You can go in there. That's where my holistic intake forms are. And... In my podcast, I also talk about, I know you mentioned like, how do you integrate yoga into sessions? So I do have an episode on that and there's lots of different guest interviews. So if you're interested in integrating other modalities, so that's also what you can find in the podcast. So I do some solo episodes with some teaching, like how to teach clients meditation and um, lots of 
different modalities like that. And my book is Self-Care for the Counselor, and that's available on Amazon. So that that can help you to create some of these holistic practices for yourself and finding some morning routines, nighttime routines, as well as looking at an overall self-care plan for yourself. Sounds like an amazing resource. Thank you. Yes, I'm building. Actually, right now I'm creating a workbook to go along with that. So I'm hoping that will hopefully be out in a couple months. So Wonderful. Well, stay tuned for that. Chris, it was great to chat with you. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to the Wellness Center Creators Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode please visit our website at wellnesscentercreators.com for more show notes and additional episodes. By the way, I love hearing from listeners. Please send me an email at Kendall, K-E-N-D-A-L-L at wellnesscentercreators.com with your feedback. And if you send me a question, maybe I'll read it on the show anonymously, of course. Thanks so much again for listening and we'll catch you next time on the Wellness Center Creators Podcast.